welcome to an episode of the Nintendo Entertainment Podcast. I am Triforce Todd. Tell me to use Warrior Will. Uh, uh, how do we record those things again? I mean, I know we just had a, a week break off from Thanksgiving, but how do we record this thing again? And also, happy December by the time you're listening to this, likely. Yeah, we're in the last month now. We're in the end game. Oh, boy, we're getting out. Yeah. I, I can't believe it's already December. Like, I was like, weren't we just celebrating my greatness? I mean, birthday the other the other day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we had, it's your time. Now it's got to be my time. My birthday's coming up this coming Sunday at the time of recording. Oh, so, yeah. happy birthday. Early birthday. May your, aunt, may your stocking, not stocking, may your presence be filled with Enter anime title here and lots of Enter, enter Hentoy toy name here. And also, <laughs> okay, so yeah, enjoy. I had ice cream. Take my bicycle. It was better than yours. Anyway, also here <laughs> is Skull Kid Scott. You know, I kind of believe that you wouldn't remember because you didn't do any like music or any actual kind of thing for this entrance. I mean, I was considering like, what kind of bit in musical. I was actually kind of like at first, while I was like traveling back from home. I was like considering should I play uh, once again, um, John Denver's again? But no, that's been a bit done too much, so <laughs> I couldn't really think of anything else. <laughs> All right, save it for the next week when we're actually in December and we need Christmas music. Ah, so yes, we do w hope that all of you had a wonderful Thanksgiving, no matter what you did, whether it was with family, whether it was with friends, or most importantly of all, whether it was with your Nintendo Switch. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, we, we, of course, took last week off, and so we hope you all had a good time. And now we're going to catch up on everything that's been going on, of course, starting with what have you been playing? <laughs> I will go first, because my last few weeks was filled with playing Super Mario RPG Remake. And I think I that's fairly to say that many of us did play Super Mario RPG, yeah. Well, I, yep. I, know, I know that, like, you know... You guys like to divvy it up. You know, you like to split yourself between like four different games at the same time. <laughs> I am a one gamer man. Okay. I play one game. I play it really well sometimes. And then I move on. <laughs> That's why I have beaten Breath of the Wild, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Persona 5 Royal, and a whole bunch of other games. Well, you all have to catch up to me. Uh, as far as concerned, we we both Scott and I played Persona Five Royal, so you can't use that game against us. <laughs> no, I was just I was just emphasizing that as a, as a point of it's a really long game, <laughs> you know. So, but no, I know you two have beaten that one before. But Zelda, Breath of the Wild took you a while. You guys have not beaten Tears of the Kingdom. You guys, I beat Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> he did. Oh, I did right. not. You did. But it took you a while. <laughs> it took you a while, and you still haven't gotten to Xenoblade Chronicles Three, have you? Or two? Yes. Exactly. Neither has Scott, so once again, I am sitting on the bombshell ending that I cannot talk about because you guys haven't beaten it. It's been years! Actually, it's been a year. A year in like it's funny years. enough, it actually has been the six-year anniversary of the Unity Chronicles 2, actually. That makes you feel old. I remember that, because, yeah, that was 2017. That was, that was that what it helped capped off the uh, first big year of the Switch. That was a great way to end it. It was a great game. So... Uh, but yeah, I've been playing Super Mario RPG Remake, and I can say, ladies and gentlemen, that I have beaten the game, which is a first. I did not beat it in its SNES form, so I was very happy about this. And I have my review up on the website if you haven't seen it yet. I gave the game a 4 out of 5, which I know some people were like, but Todd, this is like an all-time classic. And it is. It is a classic. But, but. <laughs> it's also a game that really shows its age in the ways that you can't just immediately look at like first of all the graphics are beautiful props to what was it arte um what was their name Ar arte something something like that yeah, arte yeah, yeah. or whatever yeah 
our Super Mario RPG remake. Uh, Arte, Arte Piazza. Arte Piazza. Arte Piazza, which is a subsidiary of Square Enix. Um, <laughs> they did a beautiful job with the character models, the way the world looks, the cutscenes. Loved the cutscenes. Mm -hmm, Gino, mm -hmm, Gino mm -hmm. coming to life. Yeah. Is so beautiful. And I remember. Oh, yeah. I remember how it looked in the SNES form, and you know they did well enough, but like you actually could see them like come alive. <laughs> yeah, finally the details. Yeah, there's a lot of good details there. <laughs> oh yeah, or like and Bowser, you know, coming in to break down the door, and and Peach descending from her castle, and, and <laughs> Mallow and Croco, you know, like the cutscenes are simple, but they really emphasize just how much graphics have evolved since the SNES mm -hmm, days, mm -hmm. and so I really appreciated that. But, you know, the gaming animations are fluid; everything looks fun. But when you get to like the real gameplay nitty gritty, even though they did add some new things like the action commands and the triple moves, which I really enjoy, I, the triple moves saved my butt many times. <laughs> yes, I'm not, I'm not afraid to say that. Um, there were some things that just felt a little too basic and almost like we, we all know the phrase: "This game could walk, so the other could run." This was this game could walk, so the first two Paper Mario games could. Run. I was about to say, yeah. When you say you prefer Paper Paper Mario over this one, like I was, I was gonna go old man on you, like listen to me, hello. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> Here, allow me to give me my reasons why, because I know that's probably gonna anger some people. But here's the thing: when you think about Paper Mario and Paper Mario Thousand Year Door, every single star that you get in the game is tied to a deep level a deep story that you have to build up to, and then a big boss fight for where you can get the star. That doesn't happen in Super Mario RPG. When you go to Star Hill, all you do is just unlock some doors and then the star is right there. You can get... You can yeah, get it was the, definitely one. Yeah. yeah, you can get the first four stars in under four hours. And that's just so weird. And it's not a very long game in comparison not. to others. I beat it in 10 hours. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, that's not a lot, really. And I didn't. And here's the other thing it was also an incredibly easy game. Yes, I had yes, to, yes. to save me a few times, but that was just because of circumstances and enemies randomly having really high attack powers or doing like 80 damage to my 150 HP Mario. All right, so you know that, and with action commands, yes, you can lessen the blow, but sometimes they were really tricky to hit, which I appreciated. It shouldn't be eternally easy, but uh, there was no hard mode. Like Tyler would be screaming, "Like where's my hard mode? Where's my insane mode? You know, where's Sonic? He's on his game." Um, <laughs> but it was really easy at times, and then frustratingly, there were boss fights where I got less XP for winning than just regular enemies in the world. Yep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, the uh, Axiom Rangers. Oh, the Axiom Rangers. The Axiom Axiom Rangers. Rangers. You get 17 experience for beating those guys. That was one of the tougher boss fights in the game because there's five of them plus the cannon. I got 17 experience from that. And then I could go to the, like, the literal next enemy and get like 34. How does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and there's just there's, there was little things like that. And uh, the Smithy game. Like I remember the thing, like oh, the Smithy Gang with these really big bad boss monsters, and like the, at first they were they were there, like they were they, like the the arrow shooter and uh, the one that was commanding the shy guys in Mushroom Kingdom. Um, it was all good stuff, and then all of a sudden they like disappeared, and then you go on that the hunt for uh, under the sea, under the sea, under the sea, <laughs> um, where you're fighting like three boss fights in a row. Only uh. one of them is the Smithy Gang, or even related to the Smithy Gang. 
and you beat the, the the smithy boss like really easily just to get back the star that you had just won back. It was very oddly paced. And then when he met Smithy, he was just the boss. Okay, like I want to make a world full of weapons, not wishes. Like, what if you just <laughs> wish? What if you just wished for weapons? That's not the point. <laughs> it's a very simple <laughs> game, is. if anything. And, yes. And, and, and yeah, I yeah. and I kept that into account while I played the title because there were points that were absolutely enjoyable. Like like Smithy. Smithy was a very good boss fight. I liked how he had spoilers, uh, multiple forms. Yeah, yeah. That he could do, but which one was his final form? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but like, I like the designs of Smithy, and I like the Smithy gang. I like the idea that they were all weapons and they could do certain things. I just wish they were a little more fleshed out at times. Um, I liked how the, the, the various gameplay improvements, be the triple moves, the action command, and sw swapping your characters in or out. I could not imagine how hard it would be if I had to stick with my three-person crew. Yeah, you couldn't <laughs> do that in the OG, so exactly. you have to be thankful for that. And, and that might have been part of the reason it was so easy because there were boss fights where i was struggling and then i would like bowser would get knocked out but i could bring back peach and show i would have peach be the healer because that was her main role and then i would be fine but the other times peach would get knocked out so i have to make sure i had items which you, there were restrictions on items which did up the difficulty at points but there were, it was just so unevenly balanced at times where i would be breezing through one boss fight kind of struggling with the other but then i would still beat smithy rather easily and uh you know, it was still a very enjoyable game, and this was a game that set so much emotion for Mario and his RPG sagas. And we we will be talking more about uh, Super Mario RPG its potential future in the uh, in the news section. But I gave it a four out of five. It was an enjoyable game. Uh, if you've never had the chance to play it, this is the version to play. Easily. Yes. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Better, better graphics, uh, updated soundtrack, updated gameplay mechanics, but the, still the same charm. And there's a, there's so much charm in this. Game. Oh, for there's sure, a for ton. sure. Yeah, but there was also some moments where I was just like, "Are people really this stupid? Like, how did they think that big bird was Mallow?" <laughs> and, uh, again, back in when the SNES days, like when grabs were living, like, oh, does this look like a tadpole? But uh, yes, yeah, so the says, "You are not a tadpole." Uh! Yeah, exactly. And I and I since I had never beaten that game, I had actually never gotten to that level. But then when the Valentina lady was, you know, saying like, "Oh, here's Prince Mallow," and I'm like, "Okay." And I was expecting, I was expecting like a like a duplicate, like a, like Dupless from Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. And I was expecting that, and then all of a sudden here comes this big bird. I'm like. How are they falling for this? How, how are these people that stupid? I mean, I guess I, I know they're clouds, so they're airheads. Oh! But no, there's a, there's a lot of charm and whimsy and fun in here, and there's some. They have some of the wittiest one-liners in this That's game. one thing I like about yes. this game back in the day. It had that cheesy, that very 90s cheesy moments of uh -huh. the script, which I'm very happy for that. However, I do have to I have to criticize, like, they took out the Bruce Lee line. They did. I am so <laughs> sad they took out the Bruce Lee line. They did. Yes. But uh, they did keep some of the ones that I can't believe they actually kept in. Like, there's a toad woman who goes, the only things I do are cook and clean. I'm like, Yeah. And then there's another one about like who's like criticizing your child, and then like the child, it was the, the Gino kid. Uh, and, right, right. Again, though, cannot clear the fact that Mario didn't want to go and punch a, a child toad. Yes. Yes. So you know, there there's a lot of there's a lot of zany one-liners in here, and the interactions like Bowser with his whole, I know, I gotta get back my castle, but I can't let them see like we think of the scene. He's so Cinderella this one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and that definitely set up the the style of Bowser we got in, in Paper Mario games, which I which I really enjoy. So there's a lot to like about this game, but 
the Paper Mario games are definitely better. <laughs> Again, it sorry, is definitely sorry, dated, sorry. and I I I would argue that's because like the, the way that I feel, I'm not sure what how it is in the in the, the the board meetings in Nintendo and Square Enix because I feel this was collapsed out if anything else. But like one because one, do you, how much do you want to add more? And of course, naturally, how much do you want to keep straight to the original? And I feel like they definitely leaned on that safe option of like want to keep things as close to the original game as possible while putting a few more improvements i mean sure they couldn't like add more like i don't know a background boss story like i don't know full-fledged expansive like uh, the persona games or so forth but yeah <laughs> that's I'm, I'm guessing they just lean on that like it's best to not mess anything that is not broken yeah, I, I feel like yeah i can understand that and, and that's why a lot of the reviews for the game the remake were this is great but it feels so safe like they really said that it was more of a remake of the graphics than anything else yeah. and that's not inaccurate it's really not and that's not a bad thing because there's some, there are some games that you know you should just remake it to make it visually appealing without changing anything and then you, get, you have something like final fantasy 7 remake where it's like we're changing a lot <laughs> just strap in for the ride and remember that nothing is really canon except everything <sighs> that Tetsuya Nomura likes so everything is canon but nothing's canon no. yeah as in the fact that Tetsuya Nomura is the character designer in yes. Mario RPG yes you were going to say that for the news section well but <sighs> fine Yes, he was, and he ironically he did work on the original too. He was in the special. Yes, that he did. That he did. But now he's the character designer, which is why everything <laughs> probably looks so crisp and wonderful. So thank you, Mr. Nomura. We appreciate you. <laughs> so, but yeah, go check out my review, and I do recommend the game. It is a lot of fun. And again, if, for those who have never gotten to play it, or in my case, never got to beat it, this is your time, and it won't it won't take long. <laughs> It's a very quick game. If you, if, if you want to get a full price, by all means, fine. But if you get it on a discount, by all means, it's a definitely good steal. So, yes. Or if you happen to work for a website and your boss buys it for it for you, bonus! <laughs> bonus. Or just get it as a Christmas gift. Yes. That too. Or get it from a giveaway. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I want Scott to tell this story. Scott, Scott you got to tell the story. All righty. Um, so I bought Super Mario RPG Remake originally when it came out on Amazon as like a pre-order because I always knew I wanted to get it and I knew it was going to come either day one or day two with Amazon. They never generally get it always day one as much as I wish they would. So it's supposed to show up on like Saturday or Sunday. And then when I went to go get it after it said it was there, I got the wrong packages for somebody else. And it wasn't the game. <laughs> it was... Some like laptop battery someone got for their laptop. So I checked out who the person and their address went over to the apartment that they were at and just gave it to them, went home just to look at Twitter and see that I want a giveaway for a physical copy of Super Mario RPG remake. <laughs> so I just submitted a refund for from Amazon. I was just like, I never got the game, never showed up. And it's all hunky dory. I got all the details. And it's like the Tuesday I got the game and legit, like about an hour after I started like playing it, I got a knock on the door that one of my neighbors got my copy of the game. And he thought that his wife actually got it for him for, I guess, like a, a present for either like Thanksgiving or something that was coming up. And... He was just like, yeah, but then I looked at the label and saw that it wasn't for me and that it wasn't even our apartment number. And then I just told him that he could just keep it because I, well, I got the giveaway one, so I don't need it. <laughs> and so he was super happy, went to shake my hand and just said, happy Thanksgiving. And he started like hopping for joy pretty much as he was going down the stairs. And I was just like, well, 
someone just got a free Super Mario RPG. <laughs> yeah. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of the ending to The Good Place. <laughs> or, or, or that, or Eleanor dies canonically, and her, her spirit. For those of you who don't know, she was in the afterlife, and she chose to die again, so that you know she could, you know, it could be over. And her essence spread as goodwill untoward man, ah ha ha. And it went to a guy who found a gift card, or no, it was a, it was a membership card for Michael, the the former angel, the former devil turned angel turned human. And he got it, and he was so happy, and he goes, thank you, and I say this with all the majesty and wisdom of the universe, take it sleazy. <laughs> like, ah! Because he always wanted to say that to somebody. So, there you go. Good, good for you, Scott. Bring joy to the world. You're going to the yes. good place, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. hopefully. There's the real time. good place, not the good place, good place. No. Yeah. <laughs> so. Just remember, reincarnation is the thing in the good place. So you, if you screw up this time, like Will, uh, you, can, <laughs> you can get another shot. How how many incarnations will it take for Will to stop liking some of the stuff it has? These are the questions that'll keep me up at night. <laughs> I can feel him glaring at me right now. <laughs> but no, that's that's really cool that that all happened, Scott. I'm, I'm glad. It, okay, where did you win the copy? Like, what contest was this? It was on a Twitter giveaway. Oh, oh I enter those like all the time. Oh, Faith enters them all the time. And then uses me as her tag partner. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. And I don't think she's won a single one. So maybe the lesson here is don't tag me. <laughs> I'm just saying. I just always tag my wife's Twitter, but she never checks it. Ah, <laughs> uh, good idea. Good idea. All right, Will. How about you? Uh, for me, it has been plenty of games outside from Super Mario RPG. Uh, for one thing, one before the podcast, I just actually logged back onto Splatoon 3 because the new season is currently live underway, but we'll talk more about it in the, in the new section. But overall, it is just a lot of stuff. So Splatoon 3, definitely live and up with the new season. Um, also as well, before, um, the, yeah, during, of course, naturally with the Splatfest, but yeah, we'll talk about that more later on. But, uh, as, as long, on the same weekend, I've actually, uh, Picked up my copy of Persona 5 Tactica. And yeah, playing Persona 5 in a tactics format, it, it, I, it feels pretty comfortable. It is definitely comfortable and a good formula to like mix with. I mean, again, we have, have Persona 5 as a Musou game. We have it as um, a DS game, <laughs> like so, as a dungeon crawler. Now we have this thing as a tactical RP, RPG, a la, yeah, Raymond Rabbids and XCOM. So it really feels very good. Like, and I feel is that same trend of Persona 5 just milking that series into other <laughs> stuff titles. And now like, we just uh, yeah, need a first-person uh, shooter. <laughs> oh, yeah, how does have a first person Or I don't know. Where's our fighting game, Persona 5? Uh, Atlas, come on. We have a Persona 4 Arena, OTMAX. We already have that. Come on. It's, I think it's about bloody time now, Jordan. Just go back with uh, Arc System Works already. Uh, uh, I don't know, Will. I think you're actually missing an obvious one on me. Can you imagine a Persona 5 dating simulator? Oh, wait. Oh, wait. They kind of already did that on, on like, people's fan. Like, um, let's see. I know Dude in Circles, all that. Like, online, they got you covered. They got you did, covered. But did, I did he not get the joke there? Scott, like the joke Persona right 5 already is. Yeah, it already is Technically, it is, but then people want to make their own stuff. But eh. They uh, want to go all the way. No, so. oh, <laughs> oh, gods, man. This is but, a good show, kind of. 
<laughs> they want to do the hand holding. <laughs> <laughs> but they kind of do that in the original game already. Yeah. Just move on. Move but, on. It's getting too dirty. Move on. Nah. <laughs> but yeah, Persona 5 Tactica, I, I played a little bit, but overall, it is definitely a good game. Definitely check it out if anything else. But of course, naturally, the, mo the one of the more important games that I'm finally glad from Play Asia is the uh, Yakuza uh, Gaiden, the man who erased his name, which, yeah, the bridging game between uh, Yakuza 6 to Yakuza 7. And again, Cosmo Kiryu. Uh, it is good to be back to see Cosmo Kiryu once again. Takaya Kuroda, your voice acting is impeccable. And of course, naturally, yes, uh, most of the time I've more or less been spending my, my um, game time in Mahjong. <laughs> yes, I, I can't <laughs> help it. I'm an Asian guy. I love Mahjong. <laughs> so, yeah. But of course, naturally, the awards is definitely great. And and from what I tell, can tell from the people's reviews of the game is like it is definitely basically Kiryu as James Bond in a sense. It's definitely, <laughs> and of course Yakuza is basically overly serious, but at the same time not serious at all. Which that is always the main bread and butter. So people may find some discourse with that. I personally have no problems with it just because like don't expect anything too serious aside from like I don't know the first game, the zero and um, number six. <laughs> So yeah, you just basically enjoy it, right? If you if you have enjoyed Yakuza all these years, yeah, and yeah the vibes of Yakuza is basically like a, a Spanish telenovela where it's like there's so much ridiculous things going on and they all treat it very seriously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, uh, like if you check, like once you re reach to that the castle area when the first time, I think it pretty much. I know for sure a fact that our host will have a big deep shock if he sees that the Osaka castle moment. So that there's that, but again, great stuff, and of course, naturally has like the, the goodness and services of uh of Yakuza. So if you love Sultan Body, if you want to go virtually virtual tour again, I mean, you would have six or seven games already out right now to virtually visit japan but yeah now you can have another one in your in your copies but again at the moment right now play asia is the only way to get a physical copy of its game instead of digitally so if you want to go import by all means if you want to get digitally then that's fine too and of course naturally just to round it up as well um also with the recent uh fire emblem heroes with the recent dual mythic banner and oh boy yes they they finally released it um uh, uh, Harrisburg and Vasir, uh, and uh, yeah, those two. It is definitely quite the, the very good units. One is a good nuke. One is a basically uh, a good tanker, if anything. Vasir and a uh, Harrisburg. It's very hard to pronounce those names, but uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have long since gone beyond hey let's have you know basic names like no we're gonna have like these names that have random layers that should not go together blame the norse blame the norse everybody said blame the north i'm like i will <laughs> i mean yes we have cedar hyder hesbeg and yeah here. I mean, again, leprosy. Oh, the Norse, but I digress. But yeah, those two units, the Nurmimpif camps came out. I, I got uh, both the units, but overpassed the Spark unit. And uh, yeah, if you match go and want to um, maximize a uh, Hellsbeg, uh, it is definitely an interesting unit. And of course, naturally, the, the endings. If you haven't um, played the ending storyline of the of the book already, yeah, it is just whackers bonkers. Uh, I'll just just spoil it right now. If you haven't, uh, basically. Yeah, apparently, uh, say yeah, Seder, Hesbeck, and Kvasir is basically the same person. I know, ridiculous. <laughs> and uh, you do kill, quote unquote, kill Hesbeck in the in the timeline, uh, but apparently, uh, Seder did manage to save um, Hesbeck and Vasir since they are the same person. So basically, uh, one person, one body, three spirits. 
yeah, confusing. It's bonkers. Don't don't think too much into it. But oh, it's uh, the usual happy ending of of the of the book. And eh, why not? Why not? It's bonkers. Just don't pay too much attention to it. So yeah, happy ending to the bonkers. And as well, naturally, we have um the voting gauntlet, which is past versus pr- uh, future. So nice little thing. But overall, uh, Fire Emblem Heroes very good. And just so many games coming out soon. It's just getting ready for anything else. I mean, I'm personally ready. Looking forward to February already as it is, but <laughs> so much games, so much games. And of course, naturally as well. Um, yeah, we'll talk more in, in the big uh, the Splatoon three news section because there is a big one to coming up this this weekend. So it just heads up. Yeah. So I just want to note that that ending, well, as wrapped up as it, I guess it could have been. <laughs> uh, there are still a whole bunch of things they don't they don't address, like uh, what was what was the good one's name? The good one, of the trailer. Uh, the Trinity. But Ke Fasir, like Fasir. Yeah, Basir. that's the past. No, the present. Who was in the present? Oh, Seder. Seder. Well, whether Seder and uh, your character canonically get together, because never forget, she has to have his kid. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, and technically, you do have you have that relationship with all three incarnations of them. So, and yeah. there you go. So, are, are, is he going to have it with all three of them? Like, I don't know. These are the questions that keep me up at night. <laughs> it's, a t- it's a timeline story. Don't think too much into it. Dear it's host. Fire Emblem Heroes. How can we not think too much into it? Because they make it so so dang complicated that you have to think about it. Hello. <laughs> Like, tell me what I'm telling lies, ladies and gentlemen. There's a reference for you. Uh, <laughs> all right, Scott. So, all righty. So, RPG, what do you got? Super Mario RPG. Yes, I did play. Yes, I will say that I definitely think that they reduced a lot of the grinding. They added mm-hmm. a lot more of the percentages of like experience you get versus they added a lot more like uh, percentages of chances of getting like the special enemies. They also added a lot more chance to get like the items after you beat an enemy that will give you either an extra turn or your full max health again yeah yeah the bonus yes bonuses yeah so i it definitely feels like they made sure that you wouldn't need to grind because if you if you go back to the old days of the super nintendo one of the reasons why games felt like they took forever to do wasn't because the games are actually that long most of them are probably like maybe 20 30 hours but the problem is you had another like 20, 30 hours of grinding you had to do, which yeah, made them you want to be at the max level longer. level 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Super Mario RPG, if like um the original was like a 25, 30 hour game, but that was because of grinding. The Switch one is like 10 hours. Yeah. <laughs> because there's no grinding involved. Yeah. It is very easy. You only even pay like level 25, even at minimum. Yeah. Yeah. I, I seriously thought that I, I'm pretty sure. I only died once in the whole game, and I think that was just because of you know random damage taking. I never, it was not, it wasn't even during a boss fight. I think it just hit like a random enemy that was actually really good, and blah 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 blah. Yeah, some of the special enemies can get really yeah. Those things sucked. Like yeah. And then when I actually beat the game, I was only at level twenty (laughs) one. So I was like, did I do something wrong? (laughs) Nope. Did I do something wrong? So, yeah, it was it was really easy. Yeah, and I think that in some aspects, it's it's one of those really easy to get into RPGs. If you're mm-hmm, someone mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. doesn't play RPGs or doesn't understand like a lot of the mechanics of like turn-based games, Super Mario RPG was like the beginner's choice. Pretty, yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much, yeah, yeah. And the remake just adds on the whole beginner's choice, making it even easier. 
So yeah, more people would be accessible to this like yeah, classic they, RPG. Yeah, they want everyone yeah. to play this game, even if you don't like RPGs. <laughs> in this kind of format turn based mm-hmm. and i do i don't know i don't know if i would say that i would added more difficulty or added but i think i would have added at least the choice mm. because even normal mode is super easy yes <laughs> exactly exactly and like even with the, like the post game the post boss content especially with that secret boss e- even that people can actually find ways to actually break the game i mean yeah. if you know the, the classic og games like the lazy show of course the natural the hundred hundred jump super jump <laughs> yep it's like yeah people can break the game yes so i personally really enjoyed it but it was also at the same time just like kind of a breezy experience um i think that was kind of the point they tried to do with the remake and i don't know if that i would have gone that route but uh some people that i've been talking with it about because there are people that i do talk about this game with because they are also like first-time players and they kind of want to understand why it was so popular because I'm like, this is just too easy. I don't want people like this. Because, well, first off, a lot of us were kids playing the game. <laughs> it wasn't like Final Fantasy where you got killed by a skeleton because you didn't realize Kira actually was the only thing you could use to kill it. <laughs> Old Final Fantasy games are super tough because you would basically have to learn through exploration and crap. And as kids, we never really thought like that. Mm-hmm. At least I didn't. Um, I had to actually figure out strategies by using the good old internet and print off the guides because you can't actually, <laughs> it takes forever to load. So you don't want to have it at whenever. You just want to have it all on paper so you can just refer back to it if you need it. Yeah, I remember the days when actually going on games like that to print out the entire FAQ just to help yep. you out. I, I did that. I did that. <laughs> but like, I, that was my Kingdom Hearts 1 experience of trying to find all the Dalmatians. <laughs> oh, those dang Dalmatians. <laughs> I had to print off, like, the entire thing just so I could find, like, what world this certain Dalmatian was I was trying to find. Uh, But that's my kind of experience and my ideas of it. I think it's good, but I also think that they could have done more with it. But at the same time, it would have been more complicated in the sense that people probably would have felt like it was tainted or something. Mm. But it is interesting to note that uh, the people that they got for it, like the, the art... It says people, they are the same people who did like the Dragon Quest remix yeah, on the yeah, DS, yeah, yeah. as yeah, well yeah. as the ones who did the Dragon Quest Eleven game for Switch. Which both were, I mean, all the games are remade are really good and competent. <laughs> so I'm actually really glad they got them because it runs well. There are some areas where it can be a little bit jittery, but for the most part, it runs well in combat and you can kind of see where everything goes and the art direction is just fantastic for what they did. Yeah. It's funny because people will like show like some of the, the old Super Nintendo images and then pull up like the Super Mario RPG remake images and they'll actually notice like you don't know what the heck was actually in the right, Super like Nintendo the... image because of how pixelated and stuff some of like the backgrounds were. But yes, then like you pull yes. up the remake and like the backgrounds are so much more pristine that you actually can tell what actually is supposed to be there. <laughs> yeah, like there was actually a cameo in Booster's Tower, like as actually one of the I think the Final Fantasy mach- four machines. Uh, uh, yeah, correct me on that. yep, yep. The the fi- well, the Final Fantasy is the Final Fantasy six machines, the one six that they machines. had in Terra, with the when that Terra was in. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. In the okay, beginning, okay. but yeah, they they had some of those like callbacks to Final Fantasy nobody even knew about because it was so pixelated, nobody knew. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my experience with RPG. I also played through Persona 5 Tactica. Ah, 
some of it at least. I actually really enjoy the combat that they did. I think they integrated it pretty cleverly. Mm-hmm. And the way that they also do like the missions are like basically you don't actually have to kill everybody. You just have to fulfill the mission criteria, which is sometimes yes. to defeat the shadow. Sometimes it's to get this person somewhere else. There's like escort missions. There's also like you have to beat this one big baddie or there's even ones that are like just destroy the flag in the at the end of the tunnels. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and you play this like on Switch or PC? What system? I played it on Xbox because Game Pass. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> I betrayed. <laughs> but I betrayed it for free stuff because I already have Game Pass. Anyway. I mean, it's Game Pass. Fine. <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. And I also like uh, Arena, the new character they had in Tactica. She really mm-hmm. reminds me that they tried to like basically had a Joan of Arc type character in the game. Right, 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 right. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so many Joan of Arc archetypes with her. <laughs> um, I've played more Genshin Impact because I got a new laptop for Black Friday. Oh, so nice. I wanted to see how it ran that, and it ran it pretty well. Oh. The game that I spent the most time with this, or this, I guess like the last week and a half, was the Sword Art Online Last Recollection game. I got mm-hmm. So because I got a refund from my Super Mario RPG remake, I used those funds for another game <laughs> because... I always have one purchase per month. And so I wanted to do a purchase that I could actually use because I knew I actually had time to play something because I had the entire week off last week. And so I used a lot of it time to spend trying to beat and play through that because I wanted to get that done so I could write a review or at least guides. Because (laughs) if you look online for anything regarding Last Recollection, you'll find absolutely nothing. There's no guides. There are no reviews. There's like nothing about this game online. Which is just weird as crap to me. If you look for like Alicization like Horus, the game right before it, there are guides for literally everything. So I'm just like, I just want to do something for this game to show that there's actually people playing it. <laughs> yeah, apparently it didn't do that well in Japan, which is kind of a surprise to me because Sword Art Online like usually just sells regardless of the name if it's a good game or not. Because <laughs> the Sword Art Online games are not known for being good games. They're known no. for being Sword Art Online games. <laughs> I mean, Sword Art Online is a license. I mean, it's kind of ran its popularity back in the years prior. I mean, yes, they had the movies and all that. And like, the the games themselves again is a licensed anime game. It's either hit or miss. So. Yeah, and so Last Recollection is a weird in the sense that it's a much more streamlined version of their previous game, which was Alicization like Chorus. That where they basically refined and perfected their battle system, and it turned pretty well. The only problem with Alicization like Chorus is it was slow, jittery. And a lot of jank issues that happened with them trying to sort out so many more high definition textures and things. But it's also because they did a humongous open area, open world type zones. Um, people even call those like a Xenoblade 2 type world zones where everything was super large and there's so much things in the world that you can actually do and get, which that was actually really good. That's one of the best parts of Alicization like Horus was traveling and discovering things in the world and the fact that it was four player co-op so that you could do that with all your friends. So they still they still have the four player co-op in um, Last Recollection, but all the maps are super small, streamlined, like linear tunnels and pathways. And it's just not that fun to really explore. <laughs> but the switch off is the combat is super refined, super polished. They have everything working with like no jitters, no frames. There's no jank anymore. It actually runs extremely well. 
there are still some bugs and glitches, but that's basically we're in a time where there's like almost no games that will ever have no bugs or glitches because of how big scopes are nowadays. Mm, right. When people... last recollection is so weird to me because they'd streamlined everything and they made it like, I don't know. It, it, this is supposed to be the end of all of the game versus Sword Art Online, which is mm. weird. Basically, for those who don't know, but the Sword Art Online games have a completely different continuity than the light novels and the movie and the anime itself. Mm-hmm. Everything is completely different. Some people don't die who usually did. There are some people who actually survive things in the games that aren't supposed to survive things. And they, they do it basically in the sense that you can have anybody in your party. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, for example, Alice's the Fatal Bullet game, you can get Sachi in your party, who, if anyone who watched the first season of Sword Online, she's dead. Yeah. <laughs> she's not dead in this one. <laughs> so they do a lot of just weird things where they just want to put everybody in your party, so they make changes in it. But they also make sometimes better changes, like in the first game, where instead of beat, like when you beat Kayaba at like the floor 76 instead of getting out of sword online they just go to floor 77 <laughs> they have to go they have to continue going through the floors before they actually beat the mmo to actually get out of sword online which is a, a no, that a, that's a big change but at the same time it works better because you get to see more of sword online you get to see more characters right, more of right, the concepts right, right, that right. that Einkrad area gave because let's be honest, Einkrad was the best part of Sword Online. And everything oh, afterwards sure, been downhill. Sure, <laughs> I liked Alicization for the first like ten episodes, and then they just turned it into a terrible like fan fiction of itself. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> but it's just weird because so Last Recollection is the end of that. So they bring all the characters in from all those games, even Fatal Bullet, which. Fatal Bullet, Kirito's not even the main protag in the game. He's he's just kind of a side character, and you mm. your main character. The person you create is the protagonist. He's the <laughs> OP character because he can shoot a gun. Kirito's not because he can't shoot guns. <laughs> <laughs> Which honestly is, I think, one of my favorite reasons they did that. Just like Kirito's OP when he has a sword, but we're no longer in sword fights. We're in gunfights. <laughs> you don't get that anymore. <laughs> the America logic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so they even like make references to your character in Fatal Bullet in the game, which is kind of funny, but they just call your person the GGO player. <laughs> 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 He's the pro GGO player <laughs> because your person is named whoever you call whoever you call him. He doesn't actually have an official name. Um, so last recollection is the finale to that, and it kind of doesn't really do much as a finale. Mm. It's trying to tell the story of the last season of SAO, which is the War of the Underworld, but they're also trying to tell a finale to the entire game verse of all your characters, all the flip plot threads and they're all trying to do it in like a 20 hour experience which is weird it's the shortest sort of online game but the thing is for me it took forever because i was on the normal difficulty and i realized that whenever you change difficulties in this one it doesn't actually make the game harder it just makes the characters more spongy so if you do like normal or hard the only thing you're doing is making things longer for you so it took me like 40 50 hours to beat when you like you go online and look at all these people being in like 10 to 15 hours, and I was just like, how? It's because they went to the easier story mode where they don't have HP sponges as enemies. Ah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> it would take me like an hour to beat a single boss character in normal or hard because they're just sponges at that point. Yeah, that's just bad game design in general. It's, yeah. it's not good. And it's 
it's sad because I wanted it to be good because Alicization, like Chorus, was actually really good. They implemented a lot more things with accessories, with builds, with like, you can do so much in that game to make your character either OP or you can have them be balanced. I made mine OP by giving him just basically attack stats and evasion stats. And that was it. <laughs> I could do lots of damage. I could not get hit. <laughs> but future the uh, last recollection kind of nerfs that down by less accessories less weapons less things you can find in the world there's less side quests there's almost no post game there is a post game where you can get like divine beasts but it's not very long and you only have to be like level 40 to finish it so it's it's kind of disappointing because this is a game that i was hoping would actually be the epic finale but it also makes sense of why it's nowhere because i don't know people just didn't like it i guess People don't think that it matters enough that they're going to actually be, have people looking for stuff. Because I, I had I had to literally go to like someone's like four-hour Let's Play to find a part of a quest that I wanted to finish for a side quest because I could get a clothing accessory. And I had to go in like three and a half hours in to find the thing that I was missing because it was like you had to search for something. And it was like in a specific like area in a pixel-perfect location you had to find. Uh -uh. So I wanted to find where the pixel-perfect location was. And I got it. And I took a picture of it just in case I wanted to write a guide for that. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so I wouldn't have to be the only one to have to go three hours into a Let's Play. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so that was Last Recollection. I would not recommend it unless you're really engaged and uh, love the Sorted Online games. Or if you just want a conclusion because you got yourself roped into the series of playing the games and you wanted to play every single one like me. <laughs> like you're pretty much invested like i got to know i got to know I, how I it ends three terrible games i could do three more <laughs> <laughs> luckily of all there's at least two decent ones in the sort of online game franchise there's hollow realization well alicization like course is good now but it was not good at launch <laughs> and then fatal bullet is just peak like that is the best game of the series hands down <laughs> and i think it may be due to the story not involving kirito as much and the fact that it is a lot more customizable. You don't have to worry about it being just a total dating sim. People get affinity just for being in your team. So if you like a person and you have them in the team, that's how it works. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, the other games I played were Ever Crisis, <laughs> Little Giddy 2 oh, no, 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 no. He spent like 20 minutes talking about Last Rex Selection. You get, you get 10 seconds to tell them what else you've been playing. Alrighty, Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis. They have a new Christmas banner out. I wanted to check a, take a look ah, at it. Of course, it. Ah, of course. <laughs> um, little Goody Two Shoes. Um, I played around a little more with my wife. It's actually a it's a fun little engaging slide a horror pixel game. Mm. I recommend. It's actually pretty cheap. Has really nice art. And the, the last game I played was Slay the Princess, oh, which I is a I visual did. novel type game. <clears throat> where you like make choices and your whole your whole like uh goal is to kill the princess obviously but uh that that has different consequences based on how you do things or if you don't do things and uh i don't want to spoil that too much because the entire game is just great <laughs> and there's so much plot twist going on in this game for what it is so it's a fun worthwhile purchase too Note to self, Scott doesn't know what 10 seconds means. <laughs> but I digress. All right, now we got to go to the news because you have so much to cover over the last two weeks. So it's time to go.
down the warp pipe. And first, you might recall that before the Thanksgiving weekend, there was a splat fest that we talked about. Now let's talk about the results. Uh, do we have to? <laughs> yes, we have to. If you recall, it was handshake versus fist bump versus hug. And handshake won despite being last at the halfway point. And hug got no points. Nope. You all <laughs> no. suck. So, yes. yes, just to run down the stats, Concha-wise, uh, uh, it went to fist bump with 35% of the vote. Votes. Here's the interesting part. 18.45% went to handshake, uh, while fist bump got 47.91%, while hug got 33.64%. So if to, rec to recount, handshake got the least amount of votes. And yes, Fistbump was uh, was in the running to get the is the popular vote. So yeah, good popular vote on on Fistbump. So Fry was looking good. <laughs> and, the, and now comes the clout. Like the uh, fist for Fistbump in the open league, it won by thirty four point thirty one percent. However, Pro League and Tricolor Turf War battles, Pro in thirty five percent six point sixty two and Tricolor of thirty four point seventy eight went to Team Handshake. Even though they had the least popular amount of votes, they fought like demons to won the Pro League and Tricolor Turf War battles and basically stole one from Fry. So when I saw that result screen at that end, I was like, I, I, I give you my condolences in the form of a handshake. When Shiver had that smug face on her at that result screen, it's like, how? I literally said that on my, on my Twitter account. It's like, how? How did they manage to snag that thing up? And like, it goes to show you if, even though you have the least popular role, as long as you fight like demons, literally, you can and snack at the pro, and of course, naturally, the, that tricolor turf war, which literally, again, it's a three point difference from the that's that decides it. We were only a uh, fist bump only had three points short for, uh, compared to handshake, so it was just like. How? How did this happen? They were running. We were, we pretty much had it in the first round, and then we had it in the halftime report. And boom, they stole it out of nowhere. It's yeah. like, dang. It's just so weird because I'm like, I honestly would have bet it would have been fist bump or hug that wins. And then all of a sudden, it's no, it's handshake. And Shiver takes one again. <laughs> and even yeah. Fry's like, no, we can't take not again. It's like even Fry knows of the of the losing streak she has been going to, even though she has been doing pretty well in these last two squad fests. It's just like wow, wow, wow. It's just like <laughs> and, <laughs> but there is some good news on Fry Fest because if you remember it, it was a regional splat fest. So even though uh, Fry did not won here in the, the state side and UK, she did actually won one in Japan, <laughs> which is the one of the okayakis is basically the Japanese treats, uh, a Japan specific splatfest, which she indeed won in that one. So uh, technically, Fry did win one <laughs> this past weekend. I mean, two weeks ago, but you get maybe. <laughs> but yeah, it's just absolutely crazy how how it is. Like yeah, apparently yeah. So regional Splatfest that don't really really matter as long as you yeah again good players whatever it be whatever yeah. So yeah, shiver you get this one fine handshake. But again, fist bumps. Uh, it was so much more better. Hugs are better. Hugs for life. <laughs> yes. Hugs for life. Anyway, moving on. Uh, we all lost. We we all suck. Although <laughs> I mean, technically, like, stop, I no, won no, in stop, Japan, stop, so stop, maybe stop, that's technically for me. Stop, stop, stop. 
Now, now, I will admit, I did not play as much Splatoon 3 during that weekend because I got wrapped up in Super Mario RPG. Mm-mm, yeah, Dan, and I was, I was caught up in MAYC, even yeah, though I did actually made it up to Ruler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I did. I think I got up to Defender, I think. I don't even remember. But it's okay. We'll get him in the next one. All right, now we got to talk about easily one of the most important stories of the week. That's this week. And that is Mother 3. Yeah, I was about to go like we're going to other details like again one of the new season as well as the the new show fest. Will stop! My gosh, stop it! No more, no more, none. It's not December yet, so chill season's not here. So ha, we're moving on. I'm not having another sword art recollection thing going on here, okay? (laughs) But the new outfit. Stop it! I do it, Cam. We got to talk about Mother Three, something that is making Reggie Fisame scream right now, Uh, because. For years, for years, we've been wondering, where is Mother 3? And that is the reason, of course, why Reggie Fisame left Nintendo, because he's tired of getting asked about it. No, it's not true at all. But uh, we finally have an answer. Creator of the franchise, uh, Shigesato Itoi, told, uh, is doing a documentary on the Mother franchise, also known as Earthbound. And he said in that documentary that I've talked about it with Nintendo before. Apparently, they were presented with the offer to use the translation as in the English translation. But they said it wasn't quite as simple as that. I think it'd be really interesting if they took up the offer. It'd be hard to make something like, say, an automobile with fans. Okay. Uh, But doing it with software, I believe there's a chance to make something that would be better than what the company could have made on their own. End quote. So, yeah, they could have done it by now. But it was too complicated. No, it's not. No, it's not. You you simply say, hey, we need to make this. Okay, let's make it. Hey, the fans are doing it for us. Okay, let's just use that. You know, do some spell checking. Make sure that everything is as it should be translation-wise. Then you make the dang port. It's not that hard. You know what was a harder decision, Nintendo? You guys deciding, hey, what if we make a Metroid game without Samus? That was a hard decision, and yet you made it sound easy. This is an easy decision that you're making sound hard. Do better. <laughs> yeah. Also, ironically, the, the, that same creator said that even if they were to make a port or, like, let's just say a Super Mario RPG-style remake, he doesn't want to be a part of it. <laughs> he is very much in the mindset of, hey, I've already done this, so I just want to move on. So much like with the original Super Mario RPG director, if we were to get a remake of Mother 3, which I think is more plausible than ever, they'll have to be done by somebody else. I'm okay with that. Fine, yeah. but less than a way we in a whole another decade, or two decades, yeah. or three decades. Hey, all I'm saying is that Arte Piazza made the Super Mario RPG remake look good. Let's get an Earthbound and Mother 3 remake. Could you imagine Ness and Lucas in full-on 3D like they do, like they are in Smash Bros? Mm. Like, like the whole world's? Uh, on it, yeah, the full world of on it on 3D, Ooh, yeah. Yeah, or or like um, or, or like a uh, Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening, and how they chibi that up, like that would be cool. I could totally see that style on Earthbound, easily. Yeah. So, just saying. All right, next up we have wait for it, Super Mario RPG remake, yay! All right, so I have a couple of news stories for this. First is about sales. We haven't gotten the official sales numbers for the game yet. However, in Japan, we have found out that the game sold over 355,000 units physically in the first two weeks. And then with digital, it's probably closer to 500,000. So for a 27-year-old game that just got a remake for (laughs) Switch, that's not bad. 
Mm-hmm. Still got mm-hmm. life in it. Oh yeah, heck yeah, <laughs> heck yeah. And then of course that doesn't count the UK, the US, and other regions. So I'd be stunned if it's not over a million by now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a classic. If people don't appreciate the classics, then I, I worry for our future. <laughs> yeah. No, yes. what this got, what this has me wor- not worried about, but wondering about is what's going to happen with uh, Paper Mario Thousand Year Door Remastered next year. Yeah, that's a question. It's like, is it going to do the same route like RPG? Is it going to be keeping it the same? Is it going to add a little bit more? Yeah, like, and I, it feels like it, it definitely going to. With Nintendo's track record recent lease, they're doing things a little bit too safe, I feel like. It seems the, the way it's going to it be. It depends on the title, uh, obviously, but yeah, the, hopefully they won't go too safe for this. But then again, as we, we also noted, that game is actual almost perfection. So what would they need to add? What, mm-hmm. what, what would they add to Thousand Year Door to make it better? You, Difficulty can... settings. No. <laughs> hey, some of those bosses were difficult, especially yeah. the, the Shadow Queen at the end. Like that Shadow was... Queen? Go, go with, with Bone Tail. That thing is hard. Okay, Bone Tail is tough, too. So, yeah, there's, like, I remember having to stockpile my Ultra Shrooms and Jam and Jellies, all right, to make sure that I had enough for everything in the final boss. Not to mention, if you did the final set of bosses wrong, you were going to be weakened as you fought Bowser. Because you had to go right from Grotus to Bowser, so the trick was you had to. It was to a have, gauntlet. It was a yeah, gauntlet. You had to go. You had to have a level up really close, and then fight Grotus, get the level up, and then fight Bowser full power. Otherwise, you were in trouble. And I knew to do that. <laughs> so, but I, I think it'll do fine. But we'll have to see. And we still don't know when that's coming out in 2024. But hopefully, we'll find out soon. All right. Next up, we have. Okay, this I'm excited about. Pokemon Horizons has finally gotten its U.S. premiere date on Netflix. Yes. Yes. Um. It. It. We've gotten confirmation that it will be out on February twenty third, and we have gotten the first English dubbed trailer for the dub. Sorry, didn't mean to say it like that. Uh, <laughs> first English dub trailer for the dub for the dub. And you know what this is, Scott? It's a dub. W. Dang it. Dub. 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 And it, maybe next time they'll put on the kids. Dub. 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 Yippee. <laughs> That's where, that's where Pokemon was originally, kids. Look it up. <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> back, back when Destiny Deoxys was not just a movie, it was a U.S. premiere. And they did it. <laughs> they reserved the whole morning to talk about Destiny Deoxys. And it was awesome. It's the best Pokemon movie. Fight me. Um, but yeah, I've heard so many great things about Horizon since it's come out. Like The animation is beautiful. They like how they handled the storytelling since they're not doing the Ash Ketchum route of, I you know I'm trying to be the very best. Like, no one ever was, you know. And there's some nice twists in there. Of course, Paldea is getting a view with the Pokemon and such. And, the, of course, Captain Pikachu. Because <laughs> we always need a Pikachu in, these, in, the, in this stuff. Yeah. He has a hat. I, ha- I got the hat. I got the hat, Scott. Uh, Austin Powers reference. So... <laughs> But yeah, I'm excited for this. I'm curious about the release schedule because, of course, Japan is still airing its first batch of episodes. So are they going to do like the 12, 13 episodes like they did with Journeys? I don't know. Um, as long as we they do a study schedule. I, I just want to note, as I was writing that article, I went back and reread my uh, To Be a Pokemon Master review, and it still hurts that they screwed up Ash at the end. <laughs> I'm like, Aww. 25? Did you seriously just awe me? Yes. Wow. I feel worse now. Thank you. <laughs> um, I would cry tears. It's like, how do you screw up a character that's been around for 25 years? And then you see what they did with, with Horizons and some of the animation. Like, you couldn't do that for Ash's finale? <laughs> like... <laughs> 
why did you get the the budget boost after that that, that seems kind of counterproductive yeah what? like priorities priorities yeah. seriously like I, i'm like reading this i'm like oh yeah i remember how bad that was i'm like how do you screw this up they had a non-canon episode in the batch why did you do that because right. reasons because reasons I want now. I want Ash to come to show up in Horizon so he can have an actual ending. You know, like uh, almost oh, a good example. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I guess. All right. Next up, we have. Okay, yeah. This is the story that. This is the story that keeps on giving everybody. Because let's talk about Ganondorf. <laughs> yeah. For untold ages, in other words, the last nine months, uh, people have been wondering why is Ganondorf so hot. <laughs> Why is he now our buff daddy Ganondorf? <laughs> These are the questions that kept certain people up at night and, uh, <laughs> and sweating. Sweating quite a bit. I'm just saying. I had to wash the pillow a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Among other things, I'm sure. Um, PG show kids. Um, but yeah, we now have a more definitive answer. And it comes from the director of the game, Hidemaru Fubayashi. Sorry, Fujibayashi, apologies. And of course producer AG and Numa. And they talked about how at first they certainly didn't they didn't just want Ganondorf to be evil. Like he has been in so many other games. Like he shows up, he's the bad guy, we we're done. With this one, they wanted him to feel more like a king, a ruler, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and a nice foil to Zelda. And so that's why they had him look like a king and be seen with the Gerudo and ruling over them and then fake pledging fealty uh to uh, Raru. Raru, thank you. Uh, Roru, and so on and so forth. And he, they actually styled him slightly after very regal Japanese generals. Which I okay, okay, yeah, really I can see cool. that, I can see that, yeah. But then they were like, no, we, we kind of need to do a little bit more. And so when it came to the character designer, this is what uh, um, Fujibayashi said. He said, the designer didn't simply make him look violent. They managed to fulfill my wish of making him look overwhelmingly evil while also being handsome enough that both men and women would fall for him. We put a lot of thought in choosing his clothes, his clothes and accessories, <laughs> keeping in mind that Gantendorf himself should have a strong sense of beauty and good taste. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the design, at the final product, one, he is basically a samurai and people love samurais. And of course, secondly, he's Daddy. He's basically freaking daddy for many people. Also, he'd totally be a ruin because he doesn't have a master. <laughs> he also said, we thought he would probably be a character who paid a lot of attention to his appearance, demonstrating his dignity and intelligence as a king. And designing him with that in mind, we were meticulous with his face, body, all the way down to his fingertips. Here it comes. Making him come off as robust and sexy at the same time. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> makes, makes, it works out. That, yeah, that's yeah. right, ladies and gentlemen. When Nintendo made Gandorf, they wanted to make him sexy. Uh, remember, we're going to Adrian, who was other favorite character in Twilight Princess. So, again, they got to put in their taste one way or another, right? <laughs> hey, Midna was beautiful, period. No, right. I'm not talking about Midna. I mean, Adrian, who was other favorite character. I'm not talking Midna. Who, who else was it? Uh, you really don't know of this trivia? I do not remember this factoid, William. Uh, A.G. Onuma specifically put on the record that like, one of her, his uh, favorite characters that he likes is the is actually the barkeep uh, uh, in in uh, Hyrule uh, oh, in that time. Yep, the one who's part of the secret council, right? Mm -hmm, oh. mm -hmm. Gee, I wonder why. She specifically stated on record she likes he likes her. So yes. Yeah. Well, I guess that just proves I have better taste than A.G. Onuma. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, so if you wanna if you wanna thank somebody for how uh, you know muscular Daddy Ganondorf is, it's the director and the character designer. And it, and oh, I hope they try and do this again in the next game, just so like <laughs> then we could have what we want to call it a Ganondorf thirst off to see who's. Who makes I mean, we're gonna have a lot more thirsty characters. I mean, even for other games like Skyward Sword and as well other games. I mean, again, Hitna, of course, clear example as well as like a Tetra. Even even to some people will argue for Tetra. So yeah, again, we'll, we'll definitely get to get more games as soon as I mean, again, Mifa as well, sure. Mifa, and of course, Zelda in all her incarnations. I know a lot of people like Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom looking Zelda, especially because of her more simplistic outfit versus the very, you know, regal dress that she has in like Ocarina of Time and such. So, yeah, I could see it. Midna for life. Anyway. It, <laughs> it, won't, uh, be the, it won't be the last. It won't be the last. Be the last. No. It will not be the last. Oh, yeah, we caught, forgot, forgot about Pura. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Pura. A lot, a lot of people yeah. like hundred twenty some year old Pura or Bosa. Like I, Bosa. even even the bodyguard of um of Riju. Yeah, even oh, a lot yeah. of people like the bodyguard. Oh, yeah, she of was muscular. She was great. But yeah, Urbosa is awesome. Uh, I actually named a, a future potential character one of my scripts after Urbosa because she was such a boss. So there you go. No Zeldas yet in my my universe, but one day. <laughs> yeah, I should get Minda first. Anyway. Uh Speaking of uh, men connected to interesting-looking people, let's talk Hideki Kamiya. Ah, <laughs> uh, boy. Yeah, so if you recall, Hideki Kamiya is no longer with Platinum Games, and he specifically noted that uh, his exit contract with them is that he has to be outside of the gaming space for a year. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, then. That's, yeah. And so he did a special YouTube video, which proves he can he copies uh, Sakurai, and he talked a couple about a couple of interesting topics. The first was about Bayonetta. He said, "Quote: As I explained earlier, I worked on Bayonetta one, two, three, and Origins. I talked about this in various interviews that the Bayonetta series would consist of nine episodes, nine, and that I wanted to grow the franchise as the Bayonetta saga." but it seems I may have to take the full saga to the grave with me, and it's a shame. <laughs> it's not like I own the Bayonetta IP, but I suppose those who do probably will keep it going. End quote. Huh. That just makes the ending of Bayonetta 3 suck that much more. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the lie? Oh, boy. It's like... <laughs> We just you just can't help but wonder what is going on Kamiya's head. Like Not just that, I, but what happened to make him leave platinum? We still haven't gotten an answer. No idea. Like one can only speculate, unfortunately. And yeah, maybe the differences, maybe financial reasons, maybe because of the uh, ten cent. I don't know. It's just a lot. Yeah, it's only speculation, unfortunately. And yeah, as with the with how he says, like with the future of Bayonetta, like. Even it will continue. No doubt, because again, that's Platinum's thing. It is their their baby. But without this creator, how is it going to continue living? That's what we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know what's going to happen, and it's sad because obviously there was a plan for Bayonetta going forward, whether it be through the main saga or the origin saga, because not all the questions were answered with that. So, I don't know. And it's sad because he's like, first of all, nine episodes, nine. Not, not, that's Nine episodes of Bayonetta. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, 
I was going to say a really dirty line, but I caught myself just in time. Um, <laughs> there's only so much a person can handle. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, not of us is a bayonetta. I mean, sure, apparently we can handle bayonetta, but I'm... <laughs> oh, man. I, I, see, now that made me think of an even dirtier line. I don't want to say... I really don't want to say that one. But uh, I, I really feel bad because I... You know, I Especially after how Bayonetta 3 ended, mm-hmm. I, ne- I needed there to be something else so either it could fix it yeah, yeah, or, make, yeah, yeah. or explain it a little more because there was just a lot going on there that I didn't like, and then they were like, "Oh yeah, here's the here's the where the next thing might pick up." I'm like, but that's not what we want. So I was and, and Kamiya was like, "Oh, you don't know where this is going because I know where this is going, and now we might never know because he's gonna take it to his grave." So, yay? No, I don't know. It's not good. It's not good. And then when he was asked about in that same video. Would he be up for working with other creators? He said, "Quote: Look, it would be a disaster. Mm. It doesn't work like in Dragon Ball, where Goku fuses with other characters. <laughs> Interesting reference. Uh, two people with completely different personalities and ideas would clash. There's no way you get a decent game out of that. Why is that hard for people to understand? Yeah, Will. Why is that hard? Why is that so hard for you to understand? <laughs> I mean, I could definitely see that perspective when just like two creative minds like forces like heck. If 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 Hideki Kamiya, I don't know, fate with uh, would try to collaborate with i don't know hideo kojima again two <laughs> different archers or heck even pseudo 51 like oh geez. those are <laughs> mad 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 mind forces and like you would get like a dissonance clearly yeah so and i that, that one i respect because sometimes when you're just like so creative it's hard for you to work with someone on like a large-scale project you know even with someone like who friends like say sakurai and kojima you know they're friends but i don't know if they would be able to work together given how they handled their various processes mm-hmm. so, yeah now, before we go on to our next one, I did make a mistake, and I forgot to talk about one thing with Super Mario RPG. Uh, the original character uh, like sketch artist for the mm-hmm. game revealed certain images that were going to be used for the base plate for the original title over on the SNES. Specifically, long before this very, let's call it traditional Mario adventure mixed with RPG tactics came along, they were originally planning it for be- to be a Musketeers-style title. <laughs> this is real and there's sketches to prove it it was going to be mario luigi and mar wario sorry i said mario twice wario uh as the three musketeers and an original character to be their d'artagnan uh, and then there was also an incarnation where they were going to be knights and Ooh. the guy behind sketches was like i did these because i wanted to show why i didn't want this basically uh, he didn't like that it was emulating other RPGs, like say like a Fountain mm-hmm, Dragon mm-hmm, Quest, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and he didn't like the idea with Mario with the weapon, so he drew them and then was like, no, let's just do something a little more simplistic, and that's where Super Mario RPG really took off. So that's fascinating. They're like, no, let's make Mario a musketeer. And I'm like, who do you think he is, Mickey Mouse? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if that was their primary competition, and back in the day, I feel like oh, indeed, yeah. and. Yeah, that would have been something like, I mean, yes, back in the early 90s, like you would never expect Mario to have like, I don't know, a sword, a gun. But here it is, 20 years in the future, we actually have Mario with a quote unquote gun. Yeah. So why not give Mario, I don't know, a sword? Again, he's he's been, he can't get physical to the point. Again, let's not forget Super Mario Strikers Charge. He can get physical. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. We. It's just how interesting how the how decades apart the generations can can change so drastically and like 
if you I can see Mario Vassar, I mean, yeah, since you said that idea, I you can, I can also see that in a little bit with um with the new Princess Peach game. So yeah. I feel like maybe that's maybe influence. I don't know. Maybe I don't. Sorry, no. Also, also an interesting factoid was that not only would Bowser and Peach have been involved in the games, but Peach in the Musketeers version would have been a queen. To which I say, she's already been a queen, Mother Humble. <laughs> she's been our queen since 1980. What was she created? Uh, 1985. Is during the Donkey Kong days. 85, 86. No, the, Donkey Kong was Paulina. Oh, oh well, right, right. Yeah, right, so it'd be, but... it would probably be like the first Super Mario Brothers game. The, the second one. So 86, 87. Let's look it up. Let's look it up. That's a fascinating question. Let's say, but she's been our real. She's been the queen. She's been our queen. <laughs> uh, when was Princess Peach? Like, I want to guess. Come on, give me a guess, guys. Um, eighty-nine. I don't know. Okay. And yeah, we'll... probably like an eighty-eight. I'll put it there. Okay, closest one wins, and that would be Will. It was nineteen eighty-five when she was known as oh, yeah, Princess like, Toadstool, which I do remember because that's what she was called in the original game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Original yep. Super Mario RPG. So, because she was Princess Toadstool at the time. I'm glad they changed that. <laughs> Peach is much better than Toadstool. Yes. Just say. So, but yeah, that's that's fascinating, and this 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 further goes to show how much of a prototype Super Mario RPG was, because we, now we think, oh yeah, Mario and RPG, Mario and a kart racer, Mario and a fighting game, Mario and a sports title, Mario and a mini game centric thing. Yeah, we can easily picture that, but back then it was like, can we put Mario in an RPG? Do we just do Mario, or do we dress him up as something? You know, these these are the thoughts they honestly had to have. So I appreciate them at least considering all the options and then disregarding them with extreme prejudice. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just kind of funny now that because, like, technically we did actually have Mario with a sword because if you remember back in Mario Party 2 with the Pirate Land, so technically he did have a sword. Okay, I don't know. That's I'm different. Just... That's a mini game. Uh, I mean, that's, I just, that's just like in Aces High where Mario is technically a gun because he's a plane. <laughs> all right, all right, fine, fine, fine. Anyway, so that's still really cool. Speaking of really cool, I want to talk about this fan project that I found. It was for The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, and someone made Clock Town. No, sorry, not Clock Town. Um, where was it? I, I had it right here. Uh, what's the town in uh, Ocarina of Time? Um, uh, which town? Hyrule. Yeah. Village. No, not that one. I'll, I'll look it up. I, I had it here, but I, I clicked out of an accident. Anyway, this guy recreated the entire town in Unreal Engine 5 and stylized it to make it look like a Studio Ghibli. And mm. it is so beautiful. It, he, he did it. He shot it over the course of four months. And uh, sorry, created and shot it over the course of four months. And then he, he literally said he spent six, sorry, 600 hours making this in Unreal Engine 5 with over 30 characters from the game that you could find in there. His name is Rowan Link. That's R-W-A-N Link, all one word. And Whoa. yeah, he spent quite a while making this. And the result is Castletown. There we go. Castletown, Castle yes. He remade Castletown in Unreal Engine 5. And it is seriously one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Um, I'm not saying Nintendo is going to make this title, but it's it's really cool. Like you see the Triforce, you see Link, you see the Great Deku Tree, you see Malin and Talon, you see the guards, and it's it looks like near flawless. I mean, there's obviously some animation things, but he also kind of made it so that it looks rather old school. Um, it's 
really beautiful. If you have not checked this out, it's really worth it. It's, it's 18 minutes long, and it's got a lot of references to the game. And then, then he breaks the narrative stance and actually makes a gameplay-style vid where you can actually walk around Castletown. And this just the detail that he put into this is beautiful. And it's in 4K. Because we all know <laughs> the next Switch console is totally going to be in 4K. Uh, yep. Like uh, totally. <laughs> yeah. So this is... I always make the joke about, you know, Nintendo hire me because I'm available, but there are clearly people who put such effort, like Rowan Link here, into these things, and I'm like, hire him! <laughs> Can help Have him head up, a, like, a mini Zelda game, because he clearly knows how to use Unreal Engine 5 enough to make this. Mm, it's, yeah, you see plenty of, like, fan projects who, like, did do, like again, do these projects, Unreal Engine 5, 4K visuals, like, of Zelda games before. I mean, heck, remember that whole uh, Wii U demo we're going to for that hyper realistic Zelda game, yes, back back in the way back when, and like they they couldn't get off, get off the process from, after from that, or you see these people doing so like it looks so pretty, and pretty. Nintendo can't do that. I mean, yeah. sure, okay, so shaded all that, and Tears of the Kingdom by all means, fine. I'm very happy with that. But come on, can we not go for that, those rounds of being make make Zelda pretty? Come yeah. on. <laughs> I, I think what I think what's interesting is that that tech demo is not the first time they have done a realistic Zelda thing. If you recall, there was the Nintendo World video where we saw a very realistic looking Link and Ganondorf fighting each other, and everyone's like, oh, this is the next Zelda game. And then it was Wind Waker. And that looked entirely different <laughs> from the demo we saw. And then we had this Wii U tech demo, which looked beautiful with Link versus Goma. And then we got Breath of the Wild, which looks beautiful, but it looked totally different from the demo. And I'm like, why do you do this to us? <laughs> Why do you show us the hyper-realistic stuff and then show us, like, cel-shaded stuff? Which is, again, cel-shaded looks great in Wind Waker and Breath of the Wild are classics, but you keep pulling the rug out, Nintendo. Right. They like to make us when... feel the whiplash. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, I'm sorry, but I have to go give props to the competition. Like, yeah, Sony, when they reviewed the first teaser trailer for Final Fantasy VII Remake, and, like, that that te that tech demo, like, it was remain in people's memory for so long until now with Remake. So yeah, um, yeah. Can you not do that? Do that, Nintendo, please. And Nintendo's like, "Are you not entertained?" I'm like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> no, not as much as you want." <laughs> uh, so it's really interesting, and uh, allow me to be encouraging for a moment. I know it's so hard. I'm the host and all that. <laughs> I should be dominating, not encouraging. But all of you who have wondered, could I do something like this? Could I try to make something like this? The answer is yes. Now, this guy, again, for an 18-minute video, spent 600 hours in Unreal Engine 5 trying to make this happen. That's a heck of a lot of time. But he did it because he wanted to, and he believed in it. And believe me when I say I have done fan projects in the past and in the present that I would love nothing more than to become real-life entities. And I can at least say I made them. If they, something comes from them, that's another story. But at least I made them. And they're mine. I can show them off right now. So if you have had such an idea for, like, say, a special piece of Zelda art, or you wanted to jump into Unreal Engine 5 and see what you could do with Zelda models and everything, go for it. What's holding you back? Just you. Literally, just you. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> that Nintendo has not copywritten this this thing because he's not making money off of it and it's not he's not trying to sell it or anything. He just did a tech demo example. And it's awesome. And this is hardly the first time that someone's done a Zelda uh, reference or uh, parody or, or some other things. So 
if you have if you have the desire and you think you can do it, or at least want to try and do it, do it. Do it. Do it. Go to Henry Legend Five. Do it. <laughs> uh, yes, my master. Master, what about the tech demo? Didn't Nintendo approve it? I'm quite sorry, but Nintendo will be quite inoperational by the time your tech demo arrives. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I took a little bit of a turn to the dark side, but you know, that's what happens when, you know, Scott gives me a, a bone to, to chew on. Anyway. <laughs> so, but seriously, if you have if you want to be like Rwan Link here, do it. Go have fun. It's your creativity. You're just having fun with Nintendo's faceplate. Go have fun. I wish I could do something like this. Okay? I wish I could do something like this, like, say, like, Twilight Princess and make a really cool cutscene with Midna and Link to show how they're, they're the better couple than uh, Link and Zelda. Just saying! <laughs> you know? But I can't. I'm not I'm not that skilled. I've never been that skilled. I've always been the writer, never the programmer or the modeler or whatever. So, But if you, if you think you can do it, you can have fun. And Unreal Engine 5 has lots of tutorials for you to use, so... Go have fun. Go try it. See what you can come up with. Post it on YouTube. You might get on our podcast, which, as we all know, is your dream come true. So, <laughs> just saying. All right. Next up, we got Pokemon. And this is... Okay. When I heard about this one... um, Yeah. I, I, I can't believe that they actually said this. But, yeah, they said it. So, this comes from COO Takato Utsunomiya. And he was talking about what is the future of the Pokemon franchise? Like, what is his long-term vision? He said, quote, I spend all... I'm going to go dramatic voice here. <clears throat> I spend all day, every day, thinking about Pokemon. Our goal is to keep Pokemon alive for hundreds of years. Making <laughs> sure it survives well past our lifetimes. Okay. <laughs> First of all, he somehow thinks that video games are going to be around in a couple hundred years. Dude, by that point, if we don't have holodecks, we're all screwed. <laughs> if, if we're not just you know dead from nuclear warfare, we all know it's coming. Come on. So, I kind of hope for at least a little laugh there. Like, laugh at our imminent doom. Ah! <laughs> yeah. No. But, uh, you know, that. See, I, I don't mind him saying, you know, oh, we're always thinking about how we can improve it. You know, we're always thinking like maybe two generations down the line. But he's he literally said our goal is to keep alive for hundreds of years. That's a lot of Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> Gonna wait for the one million mark. It's <laughs> like. <laughs> Right, and then then will then you can pull out the old man card. Oh, you have thousands of Pokemon. I when I had reached a thousand, I was already a man. <laughs> it's like I remember the first Pokemon game. Shut up, Grandpa. <laughs> you couldn't even count to a hundred back then. <laughs> I know I could count to one hundred fifty-one. You poor snapper, because <laughs> that was what mattered. <laughs> I do every Pokemon in order from 1 to 151. I bet you can't even label the first 356. But again, I, like with these Pokemon, like, oh, little tea, teacup, a keychain. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'll I, I stick to my 151. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it was like what Scott was telling us earlier. Uh, 
you know, they're going to keep it alive as long as possible. And, and, I, and I respect that, you know, as long as, they, as long as it keeps making money, they're going to keep making it. But hundreds of years? <laughs> It's a miracle you made it to 30. And that's just being honest here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just how much you've done right up to this point. But the moment, and we've already seen the first fall off with how the Gen 9 launch went. So what happens if you do that in 10 and 11? You ain't going to make it to <laughs> hundreds of years. You might not even make it to 50. Plus, as yeah. we all know, Nintendo's a dying brand, and clearly they won't have it as a successful <laughs> console. So, you know. They're going to go third party soon, don't yeah. you? Know? <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be bought out by Phil Spencer because they're just too stupid to realize that their future is only in software. Hey, Phil, how's that going for you? <laughs> just wait, buddy. We're going to blast one of your people in the main event. <laughs> be ready. So, I, I don't know how that, I don't know if he's just being. A little too honest or maybe just a little bit delusional i mean it's it's true that all franchises want to go forever in their own way like look at mario you know like that one's an easy one where you could say oh yeah we could keep this going forever we just do sometimes big changes but keep things the core sample which is fine but with pokemon it's i have to create how many more pokemon <laughs> to get to hundreds of years <laughs> hundreds, <laughs> hundreds of years so, good luck with that. I do want to note one positive thing he said, though. In that same interview, he talked about one of the big things he wanted to do was keep showing the Pokemon in their natural worlds. And he goes, in the original game, there was a gap between the descriptions of the Pokedex. No kidding. <laughs> Wait, the Pokedex descriptions weren't accurate? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Who would have thunk? <laughs> like how Kadabra was actually a uh, former kid with telekinesis who turned into a Pokemon. They changed that really quickly. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I wonder why. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, there was the gap between the descriptions of the Pokedex and what you actually saw in the game. But starting with Pokemon Legends Arceus and Scarlet and Violet, you see Pokemon like Bidoof creating dens in the game. And you have Pokemon traveling in packs. So there's a newfound realism of their setting. When it comes to delivering the descriptions seen in the original Pokedex, there's a lot more we can do there. Now that I can appreciate. Because that is something they should absolutely do as the generations go on. And, and despite the broken nature of Gen 9 and the somewhat outdated graphics at times with Arceus, it was so cool seeing the Pokemon in their like natural habitats. Or even a, a Pokemon, oh, sorry, new Pokemon Snap, where you saw like the Pokemon interact with one another as you were taking the pictures. Like That was so cool. And I would love to see more with that coming forward. Yes, I would yeah. too. I, I Maybe, maybe that's how they get to go hundreds of years. We're back in mind. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, going back to the holodeck scenario, if we, if in a hundred years we are not in a place where we have a holodeck and we can actually just go on an, a randomized journey, like a procedurally generated Pokemon journey with holographic Pokemon at our sides, we have failed. <laughs> we have failed as society. I mean, could you imagine? That's the real randomizer life we need. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the only. That's the only way I would want AI in my life is the AI making <laughs> Pokemon adventure for me. Like, wait, who, who do you want to start a Pokemon? I want Mewtwo. Mewtwo descends from the heavens. Oh Jesus! <laughs> You're playing easy mode. No. <laughs> <laughs> Mewtwo. I am the easy mode. All right. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, okay, this is a quick one. I want to talk about Sakurai again. <laughs> Why? Because Sakurai once again did a video that proved he, I think he almost cares a little too much about Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> what did he do this time, Todd? Well, I'll tell you. He did a video on uh, like graphics and animations and like facial animations. 
And he talked about how he would get concepts from the various animators and artists and how the characters looked and how they moved and how they would look after getting a hit and everything. And he would go into every single one of them and he would make notes to make it seem smoother, to make it seem more realistic, to make it seem better. And some of the things that he did are so tiny. Like, yeah. having, like having the eyes look a certain way or having mm. having like the facial expression face a certain way. There was like an attack with Pyrrha where he wanted her like blocking out a little more so you could see her silhouette more before she did the attack. And it's like, okay, I get why as a designer you would do those things, but I guarantee you if you would left them the original way, people probably wouldn't have cared. But it mattered to Sakurai, so he did it. Mm, yes. <laughs> as we've mentioned before, Sakura is that perfectionist and for his creative mind, like, no, it has to be perfect to the detail. Like, if someone will notice that detail, then my job is done. He, he's pretty much in that mindset, which, again, I props to Sakura's effort. Just like, even the most minute of details, he, he goes for 100%. Yeah. So, like, props to you, Sakura. I have, I have, I'm detail oriented like my comics that I make because I'm like, okay, that doesn't look right. We need to make this look like this. You know, you kind of need to have this kind of a rendering. But there are times like I say, you know, I'll let that slide. I'll, I'm sure Sakura was making my comics with me. He's like, no, Todd, this has to change. You know, what is this background? You know, there's no face on this person right here. You know, <laughs> I'm like, I would love that. You know, have him. Oh my gosh, Sakura is my editor. Um, oh, geez. <laughs> the, the numerous amounts of critiques I probably get back, though. I, I want it, though. I want it because I know he would make it better, but. Oh, to dream. All right, next up, a couple quick topics. Uh, Apollo Justice and Professor Layton. Uh, the Apollo Justice Ace Attorney Trilogy is coming out in January, and I got a pre-order trailer, which is odd. Yeah. I mean, I've heard of launch trailers, announcement trailers, second and third trailers, but a pre-order trailer. Okay. But they highlight a lot of things that you can get. I haven't put it on the site yet, but I will, I promise. Um, <laughs> and then... There are a couple of additional features you can do, including see some of the original concept art of the series, which is really, really awesome. Um, so definitely check that out. And please, Capcom, make the seventh Ace Attorney saga title. I need to know how that cliffhanger ends, okay? Come on! <laughs> please! Uh, also, for Professor Layton, that game has officially been pushed back to 2025. Sad, but true. And they showed off a uh, small puzzle scene featuring Luke and the Professor, and it looks really cool. I mean, it really does. It, it's 3D rendered now. The puzzle, the puzzle they showed was huge. Like <laughs> it was a massive building full of doors and windows, and they had to figure out which one was the actual door to enter. <laughs> it was a really complex puzzle. I'm like, oh, so that's how you figure it out. Like I was trying to follow along. I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna have to look up a guide for some of this, <laughs> which I have done in past Professor Layton games. So. Uh, definitely check that out but again, Professor Layton and the new World of Steam will come out in 2025. Also, back to Paul Justice really quick, only the Switch version will have a physical copy. You dang right! <laughs> Nintendo was the birthplace of that series. You, we better get the physical copy. I'm still getting the yes, digital please. copy. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting the digital copy because Keith's buying it for me because I'm reviewing it for the site. So, lucky me. Uh, Alright, this is... Okay, this one I, uh, I know some of you will be mad at, but I have to talk about it. We have to talk about the Koroks. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Because in Japan, they are selling Korok plushies. Why? Okay. I don't know. So we they... can do exactly what everyone else does to them in the Tears of the Kingdom, but oh, in real life. That. That. 
we're getting to that. So the 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 plushies will be six and a half inches tall. So not the biggest ones, but you know, big enough. They'll yeah. be twenty two. There there's two different versions. Feels like one with different masks and backpacks. There'll be twenty two dollars a piece. There's no confirmation it'll come to the West, but I'm sure life will find a way. <laughs> and like Imports. Scott said, I'm sure that they will be sold out just so we can burn them to the stake of our creations. <laughs> oh, oh, PETA, remember when you messaged me on Twitter about abusing the Koroks? You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> There's going to be a YouTube trend of people oh, buying geez. and then destroying the Korok plushies. I guarantee it. Ugh. They were so annoying. They were terrible. And then Nintendo's like, no, you got to help them all to get the Korok seeds. I don't want them. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> no, we don't. If that's the uh, price, I don't want them. It's just great. Like, yeah, for people who are like, oh, uh, we tortured them in the game. Okay, now we can torture them in real life now. Yes. <laughs> it's like, look what you've done, Nintendo. <laughs> look what you've done. <laughs> this death is on you. No. <laughs> this is your fault. This is your fault. Uh, also, I kid you not, um, I made a joke in an article that I wrote about this, and I'm like, I bet you're hearing the Korok noises as you're reading this right now. And then as I said that, I heard that. <laughs> you like, just had to jinx it yourself. Like, no, they're in my head. <laughs> you know, I was like, stop it. Stop it. You. Now, for the record, I was never the person who abused the Koroks, but oh, I wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to, but I did not have the patience or the creativity at the time. To like build a massive machine to like build a rocket to send them into space <laughs> or just throw them off a cliff you know i didn't I, I i couldn't do it i wanted to i really wanted to which is odd that i got the message from PETA when i honestly didn't do anything <laughs> i think i might have liked one of the posts that was probably what what got PETA's attention but i was not the one who abused the koroks not yet <laughs> all right and finally Certain people got a preview of the second part of the Scarlet and Violet DLC, the Indigo Disc, and you'll be happy to know that one of the biggest problems of the Teal Mask has been fixed, which is the difficulty curve. According to them, it is really hard. <laughs> we're talking, you'll be I'm sorry, you'll be facing top tier Pokemon trainers and Pokemon battles, and you will have to actually be smart about how you use your party if you don't want to get wiped out. And the Elite Four that is in Blueberry Academy, they will be tough cookies. So, be ready. Okay? Be ready. <laughs> Alright, and now we are heading into our main event. Now, this one is another topic where we're going to cover the broadness of the gaming industry. Because certain developers and publishers, yes, I'm using this in the plural sense, have been getting a lot of negative response to their games. And instead of you know, taking it in stride and just trying to do better the next time or being like Larry in studios and just improving everything that the fans asked for, including reshaving a cat. This is canon. Okay. <laughs> they did. I swear. They did. I'll tell you about it later. Um, th no, these people are complaining and they're trying to convince the fans that they were wrong to have these opinions. Aha! Uh -huh. This sounds like the perfect topic for a Nintendo discussion. All right, so.
so what started this off? Now, there were two that really set this off. I'm going to talk about the most recent one. And it's a little game you might have heard of called Starfield. What's that? I know. It's not like it's a game <laughs> that was in development for eight years and it's really not what was advertised, but yet was almost a game of the year candidate somehow. Uh, good job on you, Keely, for not putting that in game of the year, but yet you somehow put that in best RPG. It's not. Where's my Octopath Traveler 2, Keely? Um, so here's or Octopath. Or, I said that, Octopath Traveler. I know. Oh. I'm just saying it's sad. Oh, sorry. I thought you said or. I thought you said like or Octopath. Like I said, no. I said no. Anyway, so what happened was is that on Steam, the reviews have not been kind to Starfield. In fact, right now it's hovering about in the middle between a 6 and a 7 out of 10, which is far from the game of the generation that everyone has been trying to prop it up as. And we kid you not, the official Bethesda customer support division has been going to some of these reviews and commenting on them, trying to say that the customer was wrong for making these kinds of reviews. <laughs> uh -huh. So uh, I want to I want to highlight one in particular, and and for the record, they talked about certain uh, complaints, like like loading screens. Um, they a lot of fans complained about the loading screens, which I that one I understand about. You know, this one is sometimes you just can't get away from the loading screens. Some can, like say Marvel Spider Man Two, but that's a city, not a universe. And even I will acknowledge, you know, there is a difference. <laughs> yeah. So they were like, you know, it, it takes a lot of data to make that happen. So that one I was fine with. You know, that's not easy explanation. All right, but here's the biggest one. They talked, one of the many, many reviews talked about how they were, they were mad that there were so many plants that basically had nothing on them, that they were empty, they were pointless except for, like, scanning resources and potentially making a base on them which a lot of people didn't want. Here's what Bethesda's customer service division said in response. We are sorry you do not like landing on different planets and, and are finding many of them empty. Some of Starfield's planets are meant to be empty by design, but that's not boring. <laughs> hold on, hold on, but that's not boring. And they continued, when the astronauts went to the moon, there was nothing there. They certainly weren't bored. Uh, <laughs> what? What? <laughs> <laughs> That is real. I have the picture to prove it. They said that astronauts went to the moon. There was nothing there. They certainly weren't bored. Really? Okay. Here's the thing, Bethesda Customer Support Division. When Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin went to the moon, there was a third guy on the ship. Um, they weren't bored because they were the literal first people to land on the actual gosh dang moon. Yeah. That's called history. They were living it. Okay? <laughs> they, they were living history, and they were making a huge, a one small step for man, a large, one giant leap for mankind. That was actual history. I mean, dang right they weren't bored. Not to mention, they actually had to go and collect actual samples to take back to NASA so we could study moon rocks. So they actually had a job to do as they were also exploring that moon. That is not the same as making a digital planet in a freaking video game, making it empty and saying, oh, you're not supposed to be bored. You're supposed to appreciate, the, in their own words, the smallness in players and make you feel overwhelmed. The only overwhelming <sighs> element is how boring your game was at times. Yeah, it's it basically sounding like the same way that uh, like a No Man's Sky was in the beginning, it seems. Yeah. yeah. And it's... Uh, 
And then they try to justify like the RPG element and how you create like different characters to get different experiences and blah 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 blah. But like this is them taking this to the farthest possible level to try and like prove to themselves, I guess, <laughs> that their game is good. That's not how it works. No. <laughs> yeah. And 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 I guess Bethesda just never learned the most important lesson about online debates. Don't have them. <laughs> Unless, yeah. Unless you absolutely know the person that you're talking to. I can have debates with Scott and Will and Faith and Tyler and Keith and every other one of our co-hosts that we all, except for one I don't want to mention. Um, but, you know, I can have debates with these people because I know them. I have talked to them often. I can understand their views and whatever. Me and Will don't agree on anything. That's a classic part of our show. But, <laughs> mm -hmm, indeed. But I don't try and convince Will that he's wrong by giving him some, some lopsided explanation that proves my point. I just hear his side of the point. I tell him my side of the point. Then I tell him he's wrong. See, I skipped the middleman. <laughs> That's why I'm the host. I have veto power. You're from the customer service division. No offense, Will. I know you're in customer service too. Um, aren't you? Uh technically, yes. Okay, technically, see, that's what I thought. See, I pay attention, kind of. Um, but yeah, this was just so wrong to me that you're going to Steam reviews and trying to tell people why they are wrong. If they're writing a review of your game like that, you're not gonna convince them that they're wrong. They wasted minutes of their life minutes minutes of their lives writing this review they clearly had nothing better to do bethesda yeah it's it's kind of like going the same thinking uh the same thought line of basically don't want like read the youtube comments whatever like <laughs> social media response whatsoever like if you the way I'm seeing the situation is like one this. If you are a, a respectable game company or whatever game puppy, and you see these kinds of reviews, one, you take it all into account. So you're taking in all the feedback. If you're a good company, like if there's a, a monocrism, fine. Like if they offer you something like what can be improved, what can be assessed, like regarding to like Starfield, then yes, you should take into some criticism again don't be afraid to listen to criticism but of course naturally avoid like ignore all the haters like, who don't offer you any like ideas that can help you improve the product in future titles or future games like but in this situation like you say no you're wrong i'm right like geez projecting much in a sense is just they like, were so projecting like it wasn't even they weren't even trying to hide how much they were projecting it's just like no, no, no. You're just you're just like tanking your reputation even further with this. Like, it, it, look, we already know that with Professor's uh, public reputation, that one they're buggy. They sometimes can be overly uh, ambitious to the point it just crash. Again, now look here, Starfield, and like, okay, we get they they created that reputation. Unfortunately, now you want to go with this thing of like being bad customer source. Like, oh. You're wrong. It was supposed to be this way. It's supposed to be that way. You don't understand our mentality. Like, dude, no, that's not how you. That's not how you like respect your fans, and especially to those who actually help you build up in the ground up in the first place. It, it's just no. This, this, this again, as it's, as it, yeah, as we said, the sense of projection of like, oh, like, no, no, your your way of thinking absolutely wrong. My way of thinking is absolutely right, dude. That that's just not how you how you do things. Absolutely not. If you're a good developer, you take that feedback to to heart, to, and then improve upon it. Don't don't be sorry. Be better, as Kratos once said. And they may <laughs> get good better. 
So, Bethesda, how about you? Can you be better? I wonder. <laughs> also, as Kratos said, go to Hades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Scott, do you have thoughts on this? I yeah, I'm kind of disappointed when you look at some of the replies of how a lot of them also seem to be very samey. Which, I mean, they kind of want to do PR talk, but at the same time, not PR talk, because they also uh... kind of tend to try to directly answer the question without actually answering the question that some people have during their reviews. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I think that I agree that I don't think Bethesda really needs to respond to these reviews. A lot of Steam reviews themselves are more for just people's reception to the game itself so that when you are looking for a game you can see what their reception is and user reviews are generally for users themselves developers can take it and get feedback but i feel like a lot of them don't really respond to the feedback except for through patch notes if if we're that lucky yeah if you're lucky (laughs) sometimes you don't get patch notes sometimes you just get a game that doesn't get patched ever afterwards and then, be sad. And, and just to prove that this isn't just, you know, sound booming my hatred of Starfield as a whole, because I definitely would have been one of those negative reviews. Um, I want to talk about Sledgehammer Games and Activision, because in their recent title, Modern Warfare 3, the second one, not the first one, totally confusing, I know. <laughs> they made that game in 16 months. Their people confirmed that there was a whole bunch of crunch going on, including having to work nights and weekends, which they were not happy about. And the game has the shortest campaign in series history. Yep. It has lots of multiplayer bugs. Yep. And lots of other issues. And I kid you not, I wrote about it for another website. And Sledgehammer Games literally messaged the website and asked us to post a response that they had put on twitter just so that their side could be heard what did their side say they said we are proud of the game that we have made and we put all sorts of effort into this even though it is the worst rated call of duty game of all time which says a lot when you consider some of those world war ii titles um it sales numbers probably aren't has not been as good based on numbers i have heard and even if it has that just shows that people just wanted to buy call of duty game and then when they did a Q&A on, uh, sorry, uh, AMA, AMA on Reddit, a whole bunch of people asked about a key feature that they did not like, and Sledgehammer did not answer a single one of those questions. And then they thanked the people for all the questions that they submitted. Uh-huh. Yikes. <laughs> yep. And then they said that later on that they loved how many, how much, how much players were loving the multiplayer, and that they were so glad that the multiplayer came out well. When once again there were so many bugs and glitches and matchmaking issues that they just didn't want to address. So. Yeah, delusional on their part. Delusion on on their part is just... denial is a river in Africa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that. All, all developers do this. That's absolutely not true. Like, I mentioned Larian Studios, just so Scott doesn't have a, a freak out about the cat. Um, <laughs> in Baldur's Gate 3, there was a shaved cat in one of the ants. Think of, like, Mr. Tinkle from uh, Austin Powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, or whatever. The, Mr. Uh, Mr. Bigglesworth. Bigglesworth, thank you. Mr. Bigglesworth. Um, because after the cryo incident. But uh, he had that kind of, there was that kind of a cat in there. That was actually a mistake. It was a glitch that made the cat hairless and so they're like oh we're going to you know put the hair back on the cat and they did that 
And then fans saw the cat and they're like, no, we want the shaved cat back. <laughs> <laughs> and so they made a, a, a patch and the highlight of the patch in many ways was a video of them showing the shaved cat was back. Like, that's fan reception. That's fan response that you can be proud of. Yes. Because <laughs> it was a bug. We fixed the bug. You preferred the bug. Okay, the bug is back. There you go. <laughs> that's the circle of life, people. Right, right, right. And but, uh, also, uh, kind of related as well. Like you saw that one story regarding to Code of the Lambs developer. I have oh yes. <laughs> uh, basically, if there is, if they reach a certain amount of followers by the end of the year, they would add an extra feature to the game needless to say they got that amount in uh, under an, a day <laughs> yeah it was like a, a little over two hours <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it was very fast it was impressive so yeah but my, my problem with bethesda and this wasn't the only thing that bethesda did on starfield that really ticked me off like let's not forget why or uh, when todd howard a fellow todd ladies and gentlemen was asked hey why didn't you optimize Starfield for Steam, and he replied, "Why don't you just get a better PC?" Wow, jerkish tech move, much? Yeah, he did that. It's on. It's on video. And he goes, "Well, why don't you just get a better PC?" Like, not the point, Todd. <laughs> As a fellow Todd, I am disappointed. Okay, so yeah, it's the, look. I get that some developers actually put a lot of effort into their games, not the least of which is Nintendo, and Nintendo screws up plenty. We've talked about it on the show before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, or and we just talked about the Pokemon company and how they screwed up the Gen 9 launch. But you know, it's it's a difference between, you know, not saying something like say the Pokemon company, because they've been very silent on the fixes outside this general patch. Mm -hmm. Then Bethesda and Sledgehammer where they go, hey, you know, you're wrong for thinking this, you know, you're 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 giving this a bad name when it's not doesn't deserve it, and it absolutely does. And then you got someone like EA who just doesn't care and it <laughs> keeps doing the same thing over and over again, like with microtransactions and such, because they're like, we're gonna do this because we know we're gonna someone's gonna be stupid enough to buy this crap. And then there was a report recently that Blizzard might be charging a hundred dollars for Diablo Four expansions. And they tried to they tried to float the idea to fans via a survey. Gee, <laughs> I wonder what the survey said back. I'm guessing it was negative. I would <laughs> and they go, oh, we'll add extra content for it. There is no earthly reason why a expansion should be double the cost of the main game. Never. Same yeah. price. Same price. Sure, as long as it's big enough. All right. But uh, that's even season pass material you can justify because there's usually like five or six waves or so. But yeah. A single expansion being worth double the main game, not on your life. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. nope. So, developers, publishers, there is a fine line here. And for the record, we're not saying you have to listen to everything that a fan says, because we all know fans can be fanatics. That's the whole point of the name. Like, there's, like, uh, let's go back to the Super Mario RPG thing. There's things that I would correct that Will wouldn't, because I didn't like it from the perspective of a like seeing all the RPGs that came after, well, Will was like, no, you have to respect the main game. And I can understand that. So you wouldn't listen to me. You probably would side more with Will. On this one topic alone, Will, one, <laughs> you, get, you get one, Will. You get one. Um, but then, like, with, uh, like, look at going back to EA. Remember Battlefront 2 and that whole debacle with the pay to win system? Yeah, uh, yeah. The fans were both yeah. so hard. They had to shut down the game and its sales just to fix it so that gamers would come back. That's the fan response. That's the reaction you need to have because you screwed up that badly. 
But doing what Bethesda did, trying to tell people, no, you're wrong, you have to see it in this light, is so callous and arrogant. Mm-hmm. And again, saying, oh, the, but the guys who went to the moon weren't bored. They were actually on the moon. <laughs> if I wanted to see a pretty background, I could go to Google. Yes. <laughs> yes. Never yeah. forget that. And I could get backgrounds in 4K, baby. <laughs> no. So developers, publishers, I, I know that it sometimes hits hard when you get negative responses. I, as a comic writer, I hate it when I hear people dissing my comics because I'm like, did you not understand what I was going for? And it hurts. I had a guy mm-hmm. criticize one of my superhero comics because he said, and I quote, one of the legs looked too big in a panel. <laughs> wow. I kid you not. He put that there. He gave me a three out of five, and one of the critiques was one of the legs was too big in a panel. I'm like, ah. <laughs> Everybody's a critic. Is that enough to justify two stars, though? No. Are you not entertained? <laughs> Clearly not. That leg's too big. <laughs> I was going for the Chun-Li thighs, man. What do you want from me? <laughs> so, but you got to you have to do better just as much as you ask us to do better. Yes, gamers should never review Bomb again unless it is absolutely so terrible that it's a rallying cry like with Battlefront 2. That's the mm-hmm. only time a review bomb should be allowed, if even then. But in contrast, you can't go into there, especially through your customer service department, and say, oh, dear customer, you're wrong and an idiot for not seeing Starfield as the game of generation like these six fans do. Be more like them. Right, right. And what message are you sending? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and this is just a reminder as well to the people. Again, uh, developers, publishers, reminder of who who is it that got you here in the first place. It is the fans. Like, I get it, like, as well, we go to, like, the people, you try to appeal to everyone else and all that, but in, in the same, in this kind of same vein, it's like, remember who helped you? Like, these, like, look, we don't like to go into this, this, the game companies that we love. Again, we, do, we, we criticize Nintendo many times over, but again, we do it out of respect and love. We want to do better. Game developers, we want you to do well, develop better. Like, CD Projekt Red, you see that debacle, we want uh- them to do better. So... Remember who you're doing it for, and to remember, we want you to do better. But yeah, Bethesda, that's not how you do it. That's exactly not how you do it. So remember who you're doing it for, and don't pull this move again. Don't don't be so pompous to the point. I wanted, I I I don't know. I shouldn't want this, but because of what Will just said, I really wish that CD Projekt Red had tried to pull this with with Cyberpunk. If they did that, they would never recover. I feel like. I know, but like, just could you just imagine? Like, this thing is a buggy mess. But is it a buggy mess though, or are you just not playing at a high enough level that you're seeing only the flaws? They would never recover, even with the Witcher's reputation at their backs. Like, no, it would be hard enough. And again, the fact they, I'm thankful they did not go that route. I know, but it was, I, that, that's so funny to think about. It's like, no, 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 no. You're not. You're you're only you're seeing the bugs because it's you're the problem. We're not the problem. You're the problem. You know, Get a better PC. Exactly. Yeah, these, these six PC players who have $10,000 systems, they're loving the game. They're playing great. Be more like them. Yeah, like, oh, we have 10K, yeah, setups. Like, really? $10,000, $1,000 setups. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, in the words of Doctor Who, don't be a cynic. All right, so, with that, we are in this episode of the 1018 Podcast. Where do you stand on what developers have been doing recently and also notice that we didn't talk about redfall and how pete hines is like oh this game will be great in a decade (laughs) 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 xbox game pass to the rescue um let us know as well as 
Uh, do you feel that now is the best time to bring in Mother 3, given what's happened with Super Mario, R Super Mario RPG? Do you hope that Super Mario RPG gets a pure sequel, like a certain director actually totally wants? He said he has ideas. I would give it to him. Are you glad that Ganondorf is sexy now? <laughs> did he, and more importantly, did he bring sexy back? These are the questions, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let us know in the comments below. So for Skullkit Scott and Warrior Will, I am Triforce Todd. Ladies and gentlemen, we are out of time. We are not out of lives. We made it to the end of the level. So raise the flag.